0: Clubhouse. This is Paul.
1: This is Caroline.
0: Caroline and I would like to discuss with you, dear listeners, the eighth episode of the fifth season of NBC's This Is Us. This one was called In the Room. This is by far and away the most straightforward episode of This Is Us, where they've had They actually like injected meaningless tension in the episode to create any tension whatsoever, and then had to add in the whole storyline with Nasser Ahmed just to fill the time. So this this is a nice episode. It makes you feel good. It makes you even tear up a little bit in moments. There's reconciliation, which is great, but on the whole... Man, it's like they had they were think they were doing everything they could to try to fill this thing up.
1: I feel that way too. It feels like a very monotone episode for the most part. There wasn't a lot of like highs and lows. I understand that there were births, but we didn't have any tension about that because I really felt like we've already seen Kevin and Madison's twins in the future. We know they're going to be healthy. We know they're going to be okay. The adoption story with Kate was a very short-lived tension moment. So uh, I don't want to say this felt like a filler episode in a lot of ways, you know, like we just... Important
0: shit happened.
1: Yeah, yeah. It did. So what's up with that? How come it, while it should be a milestone episode, why does it just feel like, okay, (laughs) like all these kids were born, but it just feels like, okay.
0: I wonder if the kind of the ghost town feeling due to COVID filming protocols had anything to do with it. Like, why would Toby and that man be in a 100% empty parking lot?
1: Right. At a hospital, especially
0: in a major metropolitan area.
1: Yeah, you're right. So maybe we're feeling the the lack of energy that that typically extras bring to a scene with a lot of kind of kinetic feel of people walking around or moving or what have you. But now we have these people always having to be sort of isolated and sitting by themselves in different places, having these simple one-on-one conversations. Yeah. Or for us, watching watching someone do FaceTime on TV... With another character, yeah, that's, I, I feel bad because I understand these are COVID protocols, so I'm not trying to, you know, rip on the show, but in entertainment value, uh, <laughs> watching someone watch their phone, oof, that's that's rough.
0: Don't, don't get me wrong here. The moment of Randall and Kevin's reconciliation toward the end, or I would say they're about 80% of the way there, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, good enough that they could be in the same room again and not be awkward anymore but but besides that
1: okay let's dive in because because okay. we're hopping around a little bit too much here so right. who would you like to start with
0: well, let's knock not let's knock Nasser out right away oh, he was our franco harris of the season
1: yes yes we never knew what Franco Harris was all about, <laughs> did we? Um, yeah. I mean, I think we started to figure it out about halfway through. We looked at the date of 1963 and tried to do a lot of the math about whether this could be possibly Miguel's parents. You know, was this going to end up being maybe Ellie's, the birth mom's well, parents I was going in darker. some way? Oh, where were you going?
0: Well, I mean, aside from Franco, some of the other randos that we met were yeah, the the crockpot, the crock-pot people. Yeah.
1: Mm. I see where you're going with and that.
0: after this was done, I was kind of wanting that because, dude, I mean, is this a show that celebrates... I know random, Technology you know, <laughs> a, a scientific humans. Yes, it's important, and in, in a way, what this man accomplished. I'm looking at it now. It's called the discrete cosine transform, and without it, you would not have things like JPEGs or video compression. So, there's a good chance that in order to watch "This Is Us" tonight, or whichever day you decide to watch it, you needed to take advantage of his technology and able to do it.
1: And I mean, it's fascinating. Who gives a shit? (laughs) That's not nice. I wouldn't say who gives a shit. I would say, I would say that in a scenario where we are already having to sacrifice a lot of the way that I'm sure the storyline would be shot, you know, like you were saying the empty parking lot and stuff like that. Why would we play a game of having this layer Of, like, let's just celebrate this little technological advancement moment. And it's not little, it's a big deal. But that's not what this show's about. And so this is weirding me out. And maybe people can point back to other episodes and say, like, you guys are forgetting that they celebrated the invention of the bicycle or something like that. Maybe we are. Maybe we are. I mean, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna. More
0: penny farthings for the Pearsons. (laughs)
1: We are going to timestamp this and say, you know, we're here in Houston, we're stuck in the middle of an ice storm, and, you know, we're one of the few people who have power, and we're talking about this show, which is kind of funny. Maybe it's possible that this show has all the same amount of tension and excitement that it always has. But in comparison to our real life, it just seems awfully mundane. Because we're like, what do you mean? The hospital didn't catch on fire? Like, <laughs> we no. just finished we just finished thawing out our pipes with hair dryers. So maybe there's there's like in a... In Houston, Texas. Yeah, P.S. think about that, people. And we're expecting more snow. More snow, I just said, tonight, which is insane. I They're don't know. off
0: the mark. All those, okay. all those other, all those other asides, at least tangentially, had something to do with the Pearsons, except
1: for Franco Harrison.
0: Well, at least he, hey, at Harrison? least he was a Wait, stealer. How you say it, Harris, Harris. Harris. Franco Harris. There you go. Sorry. But at least he was a stealer.
1: Okay. Okay. Nasser okay. Did his
0: work. In New Mexico.
1: I really thought we were going to get somehow to Ellie and Haley's family or something. I don't, I don't know. I thought we were going that direction. I was really trying to do the mental math That's on a trick. who could be that age, and I have nothing. That
0: is a trick TV has played on you to try to get you to connect everyone you see with everyone else you've already
1: seen. No, not TV. This show. This show has always made somebody be the catalyst for someone else. You know, the old Rue Goldberg, you know, who bopped into who, whose path crossed when and why that changed the trajectory. So, no, I don't do that all the time. But in this particular show, it's pretty odd to show someone in isolation except for Franco. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess this is our Franco Harris of the of the season, perhaps.
0: Yeah, well that's it. I mean yeah. he he invented uh, you know, something that cool. came up with you know FaceTime and then the, you know, FaceTime. good on all
1: of us for learning something new, right? That's like a like the star just went yeah. across our heads, like the more you know. <laughs>
0: yeah, we, that's what we tune in for uh, is, is educational um, moments. Right.
1: Well let's get into our Pearson kiddos.
0: Well we could actually just notch the Wayback Machine up a little bit and talk about the cabin trip with Rebecca and Jack and that bland, obvious storyline.
1: Wow. Okay, so you're really hating on this. Okay, so we got to dive down as to why you hate it. Well,
0: the I thought the, the it blandness was, and the obviousness.
1: I've It was
0: And my high expectations for this show.
1: I I feel like it was not clever in the least. The idea that the kids don't wanna go and Rebecca is like, I don't know, like let's just let them stay home. And then I the whole idea that Jack would be annoyed when he is just as likely to be like, man, these kids are like constantly biting at each other or whatever. You know, like, I don't know. I just felt like I felt it like was, Rebecca in that moment when she's like, what do you mean? Like ripping on the kids is our biz. It's how we make it through. It, it
0: was one more week of needless Jack super dad. But I don't want my kids to leave stuff. Uh, we already know. We already know. Yeah. This yeah. didn't. It didn't add to the Jack mythos. It didn't complicate it. It didn't. Right. We already knew that he's a great guy that loves his kids and wants to be around them constantly. We already know this. This I'm making Caroline this face. It's like I'm I'm. I'm uh, the, his
1: shoulders are up around my, his ears. My shoulders are,
0: I'm making some sort of like hand gesture <laughs> to suggest I don't know what else to say because it's right there. It's on the nose and it, it didn't give me anything new
1: at this point we know these characters so well to go back again and visit jacks you're right like super sappy heart for the kids and let's look at this piece of like preschool art and and see how our hand prints like bled together or whatever it 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 was not holding up for me it just wasn't i wish it was i wish it felt more poignant i wish it felt more like well who can't relate to that weekend we all went to the cabin and had this experience like nobody if if your kids are teenagers as ours are if you get a weekend away nobody is worrying about the preschool project you know maybe you do hang it up or whatever but guess what you friggin' move on and the way that jack was just being so sappy is not even a good enough adjective i mean
0: we have similar artwork that we go back to we we rotate it around our house that means things to us i can appreciate this moment on a personal level by have by having had that same feeling myself, where my frustration with the show is is coming from, is that I think I can't point to it, but I think that this show has made me feel that feeling before. Right, and that's what where I'm getting this kind of recycled. Are we are we inching the motorcycle toward the ramp <laughs> with Fonzie, <laughs> sort of thing, or? Is it just COVID that's putting the clamps on our storytellers? And they they had
1: they're just struggling. They to come Thirty up with minutes of story,
0: but they yeah. had to do it in forty two minutes.
1: Yeah, and they have and they have these restrictions of having like two people in the scene. You know, everyone's on different sets, and so you're getting these really chopped up pieces of story. Yeah. So so yeah, we have Jack and Rebecca. I. We're, okay, let's just play a little game. Where would you have wanted that storyline to go? Should they have had a romantic weekend? Full? Well, should we have learned something about Jack and Rebecca, for God's sake, as a couple whom you know, we haven't seen their romance or their relationship since a long time ago. I can't think of the last time where we revisited Jack and Rebecca's relationship as a couple.
0: I don't know that I can, I can salvage... The, the cabin scene and make it poignant with what was going on with the big three in real life
1: rather than it being a sad preschool picture disaster, it could have been where they did play like the girl talk game and they did snuggle by the fire. They did make like conversations with each other, looking through a photo album, maybe or something and being like, I can't believe how old the kids have gotten. And I can't believe like where we are in our lives. And I'm so happy we get to like, you know, continue on with them. And we're going to have all these special moments and stuff that are coming. The same message that was basically told, which was we're going to always be there for all the big things. So don't worry about these little moments like them missing a weekend vacation together. Yeah. The same thing could have been achieved, but we could have actually seen Jack and Rebecca as a couple connect rather than them argue. And you're right. Again, putting them only in the role as mom and dad, not as a couple who is like, is, you know, supposedly like in love with each other and wanting, you know, wanting to have this time together. We didn't get that at all. Like their relationship was, they could have been brother and sister.
0: And it had this fake sense of tension as we've pointed out with the one of the big conceits of the show which is one of the big selling points which is also going to work out to be its biggest flaw is that the non-linear storytelling jumps around and so we know how certain things come out So when we see these false bits of tension in between, since we know where the train is going, these bumps don't really matter.
1: I guess it's supposed to tug on our heartstrings, though, right? Because you know that Jack's not going to be there for all the important things.
0: There's that. There's that. But I think, ideally, if if I was a fly on Dan Fogelman's desk, I think he would have written something that tied much more strongly to the big three, how they have the the new big three announcement at the end of this yes and and how this show is normally layered in parallels the 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 runny finger paints don't hit that big threeness the same way that they probably can't anymore because the actors now are too old that played the little kids that are the sweetest ones you know
1: yeah they tried they tried they had that little teeny tiny super flashback of them actually making the handprints when the kids were like preschool age yeah it was only like a 30 second blip and it was super cute but yeah, you're right. I, I there was something lacking. It was lacking heart. It was lacking the the realism that typically we get with these two. Yeah. Now, how do you feel about how it tied back into Rebecca? And this is the parallel I suppose. I mean, she had kind of made this promise to Jack that they would always be there for all the big moments. And so now how it ties into now is that she's not able to be there for the births of all these babies because of COVID. You know, she's she's also having to try to explain to Miguel, which this was a one time kind of thing where she said, we actually are going to acknowledge the fact that Miguel has to live in Jack's shadow and has to be like the guy who... <laughs> very much his second best. How do you feel about that, that it was playing back into Rebecca's frame of mind now?
0: Well, that's why I want to remind listeners that I'm not hating on this episode 100%. It's that there are these moments that are big moments that are great. And this was one of them because we'd never seen these two acknowledge the Jack situation, really, because in, their, in different ways, they both have like a 10 out of 10 level admiration for someone who's not with them anymore. But they've never really talked about it in front of us.
1: If they had gone back and made it more of a Rebecca and Jack couple showing how they support each other in the cabin playing games doing different things maybe she wants to get somewhere or do something and they can't for whatever reason that would have been a better parallel to miguel and rebecca's current day where miguel is clearly running around trying to be helpful trying to bring her things she needs trying to make suggestions um you know going to get the board games that kind of thing that would have been a better parallel than trying to take this conversation about miguel and, and Jack and Rebecca and, and all the complicated relationship they have. And then paralleling that to preschool runny, you know, handprints like that just wasn't a good well, another, apples to apples.
0: Another thing that bugged me a little bit about those sequences is that for the last season or so, we've had to a greater or lesser degree, some kind of reminder of Rebecca's failing mental state. And this one, she was all on. I mean, she didn't. Yes. She didn't make any errors that that I could detect.
1: Right. In the previous episode, we had had her typing in the wrong... Yeah, Victorville. ...city and stuff like that. Yeah. And this one, you're right. We weren't having those kind of moments. So it just wasn't as thoroughly written, I guess I want to say. yeah, It it was just sort of more, you know, a simple storyline that just wasn't that overly creative. Well, let's get into the kids.
0: Let's do that, because that is where the better part of the story is. Let's cover... Kate and Ellie first. Okay. As we mentioned, there was some tension just injected into this story. What I'm referring to is the part where Ellie at first says... That's mom. When the baby comes out, hand the baby to that woman over there. (laughs) And then when the baby gets out, Ellie says, no, I'll hold the baby.
1: And I'm going to say the tension actually started a little bit before that, because when Kate gets the phone call from Toby and she's talking to Toby, Ellie looks over at her and gives her this like, I wish you weren't fucking here face that really unnerved me. I was like, whoa, what is that? I mean, I know she's a woman in labor, but she's like complaining. She's like, how long have we even been here? Eight hours God, why isn't this done yet? And the way that she's like being like so snappy and everything. I I have had three kids. I totally get it. But it seemed like a strange dynamic between the two of them. It felt uneasy. And Kate didn't. Seem to, Kate has a lot of acknowledging someone being bitchy to her faces. There's a lot of grimacing she can do. <laughs> and she didn't do that with this, with Ellie. And so I'm not saying that I thought that she picked up on it necessarily right then. But as a viewer, that glance over she gives when Kate is continuing the conversation with Toby, like, well, tell me what's going on with you and stuff like that. Mm. It was like a laser eyes on her. Now, it diffused fairly quickly, and she was sort of like, okay, okay, you know, shaking it off a little bit. And then we did have that conversation with the nurse about, like, let's be clear on who the mother is here. Did you think, and was it built up enough that she wasn't going to give the baby up?
0: I mean, I was tricked for a second, but finally, you know... What were they going to do? What, what seriously were they going to do? There, I guess there was an option there to extend this adoption story into later this season, next season, or something like that. Because we never knew what really Haley's age relation to Jack was in those adult scenes. We knew that they were maybe a couple of years difference. But it's hard to place in adults, you know? Yes, I was fooled for a second and ultimately... Like like I've been saying this whole podcast, (laughs) the the attention was just...
1: It was fleeting at best.
0: Right, Right. Here's the
1: other thing that I constantly think about with this show. They are having to be protective of different groups of people when they're making this show. Ellie represents a birth mom who has decided to give up a baby at her actual delivery if they took a storyline where our Pearson gets crushed or she's emotionally just killed by this birth mom because of the way that they do representation on the show and they're like this person represents blind babies and this person represents someone with an eating disorder and this person you know what I mean yeah so they weren't going to tarnish I
0: see what you're going to say here the
1: reputation of birth moms by making her look like she would change her mind at the last second because lord knows what if they affect a birth mom's decision to even try that route or what if they affect the possibility of actually uh, going going through with an adoption where you are in the delivery room with a birth mom are you sending the message that birth moms are just going to take the baby back at the last second yeah. then what kind of hate mail would that generate?
0: That does put them in a precarious spot where it shackles them a little bit.
1: But don't you see it? Don't you see that every situation, like, like Deja's not a bad kid because that would make foster kids look like they were bad kids. And we can't do that. We have to protect the reputation and the dignity of the foster care system. So the system's difficult, but the kids are good kids. So like there so when you're going through that process and that protective shell that this is us puts on characters Ellie can't be a bad person cuz she's a birth mom willingly give up giving up her baby. That's we're, what you're saying. we're not going to make that person look bad. Yeah. So that's hard, but it's true look around, look at the other choices. It's William was a great guy. The biological mother was a great woman. No one has been a scumbag, <laughs> right? Like literally right. no one has been a scumbag. Even when they show Deja's mom, who ultimately decides to kind of leave in a kind of unceremoniously taken off kind of in the night kind of thing. Even she, they were like, she had her reasons.
0: Well, and she makes Let's good not
1: hate on her.
0: She puts her life together after that.
1: Exactly. Of course she does. Because every choice is valid and everyone is good. <laughs> Right? And so I don't know. This is a difficult place to be in the writer's room because not everyone is good and not everybody's choices are great. People can have their reasons and they don't work out for the main people. For Kate, I knew she was going to end up with the baby because she's the main cast and we're not going to have this situation where this specific minority group of people end up looking bad.
0: I don't really have anything to add to that because I think you've, you've hit something that I hadn't considered so fully. I mean, I knew that the show took representation very seriously and to an extent has assigned characters as representatives of various groups. But I hadn't gone through the thought experiment enough to know what you're saying, which is they're not going to shit on anybody.
1: They're not going to shit on anybody, especially once they've been defined as a specific group. Let me give you a funny little weird example. So I am covering Home Alone for our 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast, and I was watching this director's commentary portion, and Chris Columbus is the director for that. Do you remember the scene where Kevin finds the picture of, of Buck's girlfriend and goes, woof. Remember that? He's like in his bedroom, and she sees this picture, and it's like a framed picture of this girl, and he goes, yeah. oh, woof. Yeah. The thought process behind that this was 17 no this was however many years ago almost two decades ago chris columbus didn't want to put a any girl's picture in that frame because he felt like how am i going to put a real person's picture in this frame and have us all say "Ooh, she's ugly i can't do that to a person so so he actually had a boy dress up as a girl a
0: teen boy would not measure up to what another teen boy's Idea of attractiveness, of pretty would be would be yes.
1: exactly. When I heard that yesterday, and I was thinking about that, I was like, the lengths that some, and only some, but I think this is us is one of them, will go to make sure that an actor isn't portrayed as a bad person. More specifically, a specific group of people are not cast in a bad light. I think that that's going to drive the story forward in a way that's like. Is anyone ever going to be bad? You know, Zoe, who didn't want to have children, valid choice. And we love you, even though technically she pretty much broke Kevin's heart. But we don't feel we're not even mad at her, not for a millisecond, because they wrote it in a way that was gracious and understanding to everyone's choices.
0: Or uh, asshole director sends Kevin an attaboy fruit basket or whatever. Mm -hmm. Because even pretentious artistic assholes...
1: Have a good side. Have
0: a good side, right. Now,
1: Mark may be an exception because I would not say that they put a big fat silver lining around him.
0: Right. They didn't want to put a star on um, On uh, emotional abusers. (laughs) Right.
1: But at the same time, I wouldn't say that they went as far as they could have. She Mm. just basically recognized that he was like stunted emotionally and that he was just like somebody who never really grew up.
0: Oh, I remember when we talked about the episode, when he locked her out of the cabin, fan theories and our own theories were pretty fucking dark. And when the episode came in and was like, no, she was just outside in the cold a little while. That's not nice. But it's not half as dark as we were all Yeah, no, we were
1: saying all kinds of assault were were going to be happening there. So I don't know what that means. Is is this is us sort of starting to become so watery and so just like it can't really take a risk and it can't really put anybody out there because Kevin's always going to save the guy in the car. Of course, Kevin's going to get on the plane.
0: You know how I have a hobby of, of writing. I have done some research into writing. One of the books that I have looked into is a screenwriting manual called Save the Cat. It's not exactly a how-to-structure-your-screenplay kind of story, but it's more like a how-to-adopt how to a tone that will make people want to see your movie. And the idea is that if you have a cat that needs saving, save the cat. <laughs> you know, does that save the cat mentality work over several seasons of tv if
1: and is every single person and every single situation a cat because that's what it is
0: <laughs> that's what we're looking at it seems so like
1: it does so what i'm trying to say is does it dilute the saving of the cat if you save everybody all the time without any real issue with the saving
0: yeah the only cat they didn't save is jack and, and so they're kind of writing on that one one sacrifice (laughs) well that
1: one sacrifice as being like so deep and so harsh that forever we're gonna have to figure out ways to to continue to save all the rest of these cats but here's the thing i like the show and i like the characters and i'm invested i understand the twists and turns that different characters have had to take i mean obviously we were going to have a moment where ellie needed to have a question mark right because that's just normal Yes. I mean, just wanting to to have a second doesn't seem like false tension to me. That seems realistic. I was surprised that she wanted to hold the baby before Kate. There were some strange missed opportunities. Like, we spent so much time with Ellie there. We should have been spending more time with the anguishing Kate, who should have been worried and anxious and questioning why Ellie wanted to keep the baby. I think that we were missing scenes with her being upset and worried and we were spending too much time being gracious with the birth mom's choice. And I think that's, again, that's the whole, like, who's the main cast here and whose story are we telling? This Is Us is beginning to be like, well, we've got to tell everyone's story and everybody has equal screen time in that way. And it's like, no, why? Kate is going to be the mom and Kate's the one we've been following for all these years. It's fine that Ellie wanted to have a moment, but shouldn't we have been highlighting Kate's response to her moment? Because we really didn't even get it. She just stepped out.
0: You're right. Although this show has given us a lot of fairly well-developed, like, side characters that get a lot more screen time than you would think they would. The man who helped Toby when Toby was looking for... Something at the hardware store, remember? And he was—he was like, "I'm a very large man, and, <laughs> and I'm not, and I'm very upset. And do you want to be in between me and what I want?" And remember that that episode?
1: Okay.
0: okay. That character had a lot of character for some person who was going to be on screen for five seconds.
1: I I agree. And I think that they do do a good job with casting and they do a good job with dialogue to try to make those side people not seem like throwaway. And that's okay. But again, this was like they were trying to make it Kate and Ellie's birth story. Mm -hmm. But it's Kate's story of her daughter's birth. And we can pretend like it's not. And we can pretend like, no, this is a big, huge ensemble cast and Ellie's been a part of it. And that's part of the bigger story. No it's been about the big 3 and it's a big been about her adopting a child and i just thought we should have spent more time on how she was feeling about her flip-flop stomach was going on during will she won't she with ellie Because we didn't even examine that.
0: Then do you feel like the time spent with Toby and the man in the parking lot robbed you of that time? Or was that time an effective use of creating a middle name and reminding us that we're in the COVID epidemic?
1: So I struggled with that because, I mean, on one hand, I think it's an interesting way to go back and put COVID into the story because we've met Haley. We met Haley as an adult person. That was Haley Rose we met way in the future, right? Yeah. So she that Haley already went through COVID times and has a name based on the man in the parking lot at her birth. It's kind of interesting because you actually layer COVID in as a real thing that really happened for things that were already shot. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that represent the future. So I think it's interesting. I don't know if it needed to last as long as it lasted because we all knew what was happening. As soon as the man came and he was aggravated. If you meet any aggravated person in a hospital, especially in, I'm going to even say an older man, his wife is in the hospital and sick guys. There's like no other scenario of what's happening. He's not just driving around the parking lot doing donuts. There's only, a, you know, one reason why this elderly man is here and why he's trying to be, you know, real pushy about his choices and how he has to do things. OK, there again was no tension. As soon as he pulled, I was like, oh, my goodness, his wife is dying. Toby is a pretty intuitive person. And he's a compassionate person. So as soon as the man started to get upset, does Toby really seem like the kind of guy who would push back? Or does he seem like the kind of guy who would be like, sure, I guess.
0: He did have his little, you know. His little
1: tailgate party set up. Yeah. And
0: and there were a thousand (laughs) spots available.
1: I know. Did you think it was like.
0: The lucky spot thing was a little thin. It
1: was pretty hokey. Spot 157. I was like, whose favorite number is 157? Very hokey (laughs) I don't know I mean even the giving of the little pig and stuff like that you know I mean I guess I thought it was cute I mean they went through so much trouble of showing the COVID protocol of like wiping the pig down with the antibacterial wipe and stuff it was all very cute did
0: did we have any lucky charms when we were going to the hospital for six months I don't remember any I don't remember keying in on anything like a lucky spot a lucky shoe a lucky way of doing something
1: oh you forgot I guess so. Okay, so we were... your
0: your mom wears the same perfume she's worn for the last 18 years. We
1: were given a purple light-up monkey. And that was a, like a big nightlight. Yeah. And it we was... We still have this monkey. It was on our dresser in our master bedroom, and I plugged it in when they were born and turned on the light. Do you remember what happened? No. The light burnt out the day they came home. Oh. Uh-huh. But it was like the little monkey was like keeping vigil up there. Like it glowed and I don't think we do still have it. It was a purple plasticky monkey. I I have no idea. We probably don't still have it. But it was it sat up there and it was like something in the night that like if I woke up in the night and I was upset that the girls were in the hospital, I was worried. I would look and stare at it. And it was like this purpley light and I would just stare at it. In terms of like little talismans, we had those St. Christopher little medals. Hmm. OK. But not really. I mean, not like the 157. We we always ate at like the same cafeteria and crap, but that's just because that's what was available. We never parked in the same place, that kind of stuff. We didn't have the luxury of that. It was it was too busy. It was too everything.
0: I guess I don't want to piss on this man's routine. Every person needs something to cling to. And they do in those, in those uh, emergencies like that. I'm sure I had them. Um, in fact, the visiting was the thing that, that I probably clung to without necessarily getting tied up in the. We did have like a
1: little routine stuff. in terms of like, do you remember like one person would get gowns and then, the, then someone else while the, they were. Scrub brushes. While they were getting the scrub brushes and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Cause you'd have to like scrub in. So there were like little. Things that we did like that, that just became part of our normal everyday kind of thing. I mean, when it comes to hospital time, we've spent a lot of time at the hospital for other reasons too, you know, other family members and things. And I think that people do have their own little thing. I have things about the way that I dress. I always make sure that I, I have the whole theory that if you wear jeans for an outpatient thing, you're definitely going to have to spend the night. (laughs) Uh, because it's happened and and you're uncomfortable then if you're wearing like jeans and something uncomfortable. So it, it is like a, like a warding off evil to always wear something comfortable because then you definitely won't have to stay. If it's anything you don't mind sleeping in, you won't have to stay uh, then. But if you wear anything that's uncomfortable, you are definitely stuck there for a couple of days. Uh, even packing snacks in my bags and stuff like that, same deal. If you're ready to stay, you're not going to have to. It was a whole thing. We're actually in the middle of that right now. We had our kids pack bags in case our power goes out and we have to leave. And the whole theory was, if we pack the bags and they're ready to go, the power won't go out. <laughs> so far, so good. Knock 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 off wood. So so we do have those kinds of things. I mean, I think everyone does. You know, did it? Does it feel too timely to be watching it? On TV, the way that it is, because very few of my shows are are doing this. I'm I'm watching a bunch of other shows and very few are talking about or even acknowledging COVID at all. They're doing different things, but they're not talking about it. We cover other shows like Prodigal Son and they did talk about it, but they're in a post-COVID time. How do you feel about the fact that it's ongoing? You know, we're going to like how Beth was like, we're not going to stay at some grosso motel and end up with COVID. How do you feel about living it like in real time?
0: With this show... It is. I think it's meant to reflect what what we are experiencing right now.
1: This season certainly is. But do you feel like this entire series has felt that way?
0: I would say it it has been a, a heightened sense, I guess, of reality in the in the previous seasons. This season, with them deciding to go a little more political and adopting the COVID storylines, this season above the others is an easy one to say. Yeah, they're they're trying harder. To, to mix in world events how do we now? feel
1: about that in terms of like and when you say political i'm, I'm gonna give you like a mm, kind of because i know you're talking about more like blm like social justice kind of things or you're talking about like things going on in society versus they didn't talk about the election true so they're not they're not actually political they're not actually talking about everything that's going on they do definitely pick and choose and they haven't in previous seasons we haven't even talked about it even when randall was running for political office we didn't talk about it
0: right i mean we don't even really know what party he is. That's how little <laughs> they, they want to talk about it. Overall, though, in the long run, it will date the show.
1: Very much.
0: But on the on the other hand, is this, is this a Gilmore Girls kind of show where people in 10 years are going to be like, I'm going to watch the whole This Is Us over again?
1: It doesn't feel so much like that as it feels like some sort of other, almost like Wonder Years, where you know it's a certain specific period of time almost. I wouldn't say that Wonder Years, I mean, obviously they were dealing with the Vietnam War and that was 100% part of the show always from day one. But I think that it is supposed to be more of a slice of life kind of show um, as opposed to, you know, one where it could have been happening at any time because they go through all the trouble of having like 80s things or 90s things or whatever, like the girl talk board game really cracked me up i completely had that and i loved it so much when they brought that up but see i would have wanted i would have wanted to show rebecca and jack playing girl talk and laughing and i would have wanted to see miguel and rebecca playing it that would have been so much more interesting as parallels like forget the kids for 10 seconds and like have this couple couple parallel
0: battleship didn't do it for you
1: Oh, come on now. What if you had to make a call to your crush? Do you hang up? What you... <laughs> Do you just breathe on the line? Come on. It was good stuff. I really enjoyed it. So overall, though, we're happy that Kate's baby is born. We have Haley Rose. I thought that that was really cute. You know, I'm sorry that the protocols kept it from it being like a Toby Kate hug in the hospital, but I think that they did the best that they could with that one.
0: Yeah, the, the numbers of people that can be on stage are now is just very low.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about Kevin's storyline because, man, we just breezed past the fact that the last time we saw him, he was standing at TSA and they were not letting him in. What the heck, Paul? Like, are you OK that it completely happened off screen and we saw nothing? He just showed up and was like, that was awesome.
0: We had a situation on our stand podcast where something similar happened. The difference was that was based on a book. So if you had read the book, you knew that they skipped about 50 pages in order, in order to have a journey, have a all's well that ends well sort of uh, conclusion. Right. And it was hard to separate myself from the general viewing public Because I knew what was supposed to be there. So I had a hard time figuring out if a new person, by that I mean someone who just turned on the show, Mm -hmm. would have been like...
1: How did they make that leap?
0: Well, not even that. Just like, well, if the last time I saw them, they were imperiled and now they're not, then I'm just supposed to assume more or less everything was okay. I lean toward needing to know more about that story. In, in all cases, I think I lean more toward needing to know more rather than just the all's well that ends well approach to storytelling.
1: A hundred percent. And because it was the main obstacle.
0: It was the cliffhanger to last week.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was I mean, you you just flipped like did your hand like a fly away, little fly, you know, move. At the entire challenge of him getting there. I don't necessarily need to know everything, but I would rather you show me on TV rather than tell me. This is not a radio show. I want to see the action on the screen. So when you just come in and expositionally have a one sentence, that TSA director, you know, sure deserves a fruit basket, kind of like thank you card. Huh? What? We're not going to see nothing about him having to try to actually get out of this because 99.999% of people don't get on that plane. I thought he was going to say he rented a private jet. I thought they were going to go something creative because, Paul, he wouldn't have been able to get on that plane. Right. Or or have someone courier over his wallet from the hospital or something, you know, the guy knew he was going to the hospital or knew he was going to the airport, you know, like have a moment where there's some reason why he got on totally nothing just they just let you on that's the whole that is not even like all is well that ends well that's just like forget the fact that we had a faux car accident and you were racing from vancouver and we had all those scenes of miguel finding you an airline ticket and all those things because none of this was ever actually going to be a problem
0: that was the whole point of that episode you know
1: (sighs) it was an entire (laughs) (laughs) it makes me so pissed i was like you guys what what
0: It'd be like Frodo saying, yeah, and I tossed the ring into the into the volcano.
1: Yeah. What you, what's, what's the big worry? I like, do you even care about that. Because it was the journey we were on with you. And like, what the hell? Yeah. I mean, I just. Mm, no, 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 Fogelman. No. No, 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 no. Let's get to Madison and Randall and Beth and and their, their little threesome because I think that they were adorable. And probably when you said at the beginning, there were times when you got a little tears in your eyes, you got a little like, oh I feel like the three of them were bringing the oh to the episode.
0: Now, if you've been listening to our podcast all along, you might remember that last episode, I had wondered aloud whether or not Randall's intervention into Madison's labor would be a good thing with Kevin, or if that would be something that would piss him off for some reason. The idea of... Being the better brother, being super Randall.
1: I was wondering, too, actually, very much when he came in and he recognized that not only was Randall keeping company, which keeping company, I think, was no big deal. I think that was all on the up and up. But you're right. Once he started kind of like the breathing and the like, look at me and, and especially I think when Beth said, this is your show to Randall. And acted like you know you're the you're the daddy coach you know how to do this I was like oh boy you are putting that the sash across his chest as super a super Randall right now in a way that was like oh no <laughs> Kevin might really feel intimidated by the situation basically
0: having said all that and the given the way that the episode resolves itself between the two brothers. I'm really fine with them skipping that bullshit. I know that I said the idea of adding tension in this episode prior to now felt forced and that that would have felt like kind of a natural extension of of previous behaviors. On the other hand, I just wanted to see these two kids make up. So I didn't want to see some other petty squabble just extend their...
1: Okay, so I'm hearing you and I want it to be smoothed over. But I also feel like while they both had their both individual growth, you know, Randall was feeling really euphoric about figuring out everything with his birth mom. Kevin was obviously feeling so relieved to be there with Madison and that the baby's birth went well. This reconciliation is wholly unearned. Holy. Absolutely. What have either of these two men really expressed to one another? Okay, now Randall has gone above and beyond total love for Randall in the reaching out to Madison and hanging tight with her. Okay, okay. he even tempered that, though, by saying we got nothing better to do. This wasn't like, oh, hold on. I'm in the middle of a town meeting. Let me put that on pause so I can be here with you. He even tempered it by being like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a big deal that we're hanging on the line with you. But in another way, it's super not. Cause we have nothing else to do. And you're literally just like hanging out with us while we're driving. Yeah. So that kind of like took the sacrifice of it all. I want to say down a couple notches. Right. Okay. But what gesture has Kevin done to Randall? Where is this love fest earned between the two of them? It's all Randall's coming, coming from Randall's side. He's coming back. He's made the first phone call. He's the one coming in and saying stuff to Madison. But what?
0: Kevin has tried to reach out before and Randall wasn't ready to talk yet.
1: I agree. I remember back in the in the garage and he was pumping iron and was having a Randall moment there and wanted to call and say something to Randall. So I do agree with that. But still, you feel like the epic cliffhanger of last year and all the supposed awkwardness that was supposed to come with that is totally cool to just be like, our hearts are both pretty much mended. Like you said,
0: 80%. 80%. Maybe that's generous. Maybe it's underselling it, but I think that's about right. Having having undergone those wild adventures, you know, visiting Hai Leng and and uh, saving the man from the ditch and then having the baby and both of them participating with the babies. I think emotionally after doing that, your ability to, to hold a grudge still for a lot of people is is that is going to f-
1: diminish. Okay. And I'm, I guess what I'm saying, though, is that while Randall did these big gestures and everything, mm-hmm. right, and was there for Madison when no one else was, and Beth for that matter as well, even though they way downplayed Beth, which I don't like. She's equally hilarious and would have been fun to have on that call. I don't see where Kevin... Well, has done the same. Like, I, I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't think we're at this level of reconciliation. I understand sort of the door being open to conversation. Congratulations, congratulations, those kinds of things back and forth. But both of those men seemed like, like you said, their hearts were mended like 80%. And they said some awful things to each other, Paul.
0: Randall, I think he works on himself actively in a way that Kevin doesn't. And Kevin comes to understand things about himself more the hard way, but it's not through like a lot of introspection, whereas Randall's seeing a therapist and trying to figure out why he feels the way he does and how he wants to feel about the way that he feels and deeper thoughts than that, that Kevin is is not pursuing because really figuring out whether or not he's going to be a good dad to madison and the babies is about all he's he's geared to handle right now and i can appreciate that so i i guess i can understand where randall if, if this is like a tug of war and someone has to give a little so that so that I don't know. Tug of war is a bad analogy, but (laughs) like
1: a teeter totter. What? Yeah,
0: if it's a balancing act of some kind. Yeah. I I some
1: playground equipment. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Right. 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 Some sort of loop de loop. Yeah, yeah. Um, I could understand where one of the parties. Like like uh, a mom bouncing with her kid, right on the teeter totter.
1: Yeah, it's giving a little more than the other.
0: <laughs> Gotta do it if, so if you're gonna make you. it work.
1: Okay, I get you. And and here's the thing. This is one of those times when it's suffering from the show is suffering from telling us how bad it is, and then not making the solution match the problem. Mm. So if we saw what we saw, we could have been like, okay. They both have reached out now once. Kevin's called. Randall's called. Kevin was going through something terrible. Randall stepped in. They they really came together here at the end here. And, and things are, can work out. However, they have shown us those flash forwards where it seems like those two men are still not even talking to each other. Which means we've got to be wrong about our flash forwards. It can't be that this fight equaled what those things are going on in that flash forward, it doesn't make sense anymore because they have diffused this fight by 80% with two didn't talk to each other phone calls And being there for Madison like this, which I'm not saying is a small thing. It is a big thing, but that's not enough to now carry into the future a decade because we know that Kevin's kids are now like 10 years old. We saw them running around 10 years from now. They're still icy with each other over the thing. They're 80% solved at this point. I think it's
0: generally agreed that the portrayals of the elder Pearsons in the flash forwards is highly manipulative and meant to make us think...
1: That that that, that fight was that outcome over there. That they were still angry about that. So all I'm saying is that they hyped this fight to be that ten years from now. Yes. (laughs) So if it's diffused at this point, then I'm over here saying, Well, I guess this fight wasn't as bad as I thought it was, or as bad as you kept telling me it was, because we're eighty percent done. So okay. And then I'm kind of being like, Well then what the hell happened in the future? (laughs) Like (laughs) (laughs) I think do this. It's it's a little Chekhov's gun-ish, though. You brought this fight, okay? And you're telling me it is like a life-altering... And they said life-altering words, Paul. They said, like, I never wanted you to be my brother kind of things.
0: Like, they still got... I think they still have progress to make on undoing that.
1: Right. We got 20% left.
0: Right. And the issue of the differing strategies toward Rebecca's care... Still has 10 years to go, right? Yes. Just because they can sit in the same drum circle now (laughs) doesn't mean that they're going to be pounding the same rhythm.
1: They seemed happier, though. I mean, they seemed way happier. They seemed happier even at this second than they seem in the future. Well,
0: that's because they think mom's dying today that's
1: mm, they couldn't barely even like give a hug or a handshake Do you remember those
0: yeah, just a hand on the shoulders it was all icy we get
1: business man it was icy it's I don't know maybe deal. you're we, right
0: we thought Rebecca, we thought Randall and Beth were getting a divorce I didn't think that but they tried to make it look that way and people
1: are guessing that Kate's dead based on those flash exactly right so there's a lot going on I admit I don't know you guys maybe I'm just being too twisted up because a lot, a lot of things are going on in real life for us right now maybe I'm like taking that on the show that that I wanted more, but I wanted more. I'm so proud of Randall for doing what he did, but I almost think it was like almost a little too much for the fight that they were having. However, should he have held it against Madison and made her, make her do this by herself, you know, in the delivery room to punish Kevin? Like, no. So, I mean, I'm glad that he like could separate them and say like, Madison, you're, you know, you're having my niece and nephew... I'm going to be there for you. I don't know that that gets to just equal Kevin and I are good now. Mm. You know, I don't know. It's unearned, unearned, Paul. There has to be more there. Nicholas and Francis. (laughs) You loving those names, Paul?
0: Well, the Nikki feels good. It's pulling Nikki back in to this season after being absent quite a while. Reminds us that he's there. Like you mentioned, he's there in the flash forwards. I think we are going to see a couple more shots of Nikki before the end of the season. It might even play into some episodes because there are fan theories about those flash forwards where seeing Nikki with a wedding band suggests different things. A, he's married. B, he's Maybe pretending to be married. See, he's pretending to be Jack in those flash forwards. Who knows? But that means he has to roll back into the family with some level of comfort that he hasn't had yet. He's, he's been around them, but he finds excuses to get back away from yeah, them. Yeah,
1: for sure. So, I mean, that was cute. I thought it was actually kind of mean and and surprising when Randall was like, ooh, on the Francis and he's like, "Oh no, I know. Like we're gonna call her Franny. It's like, and yeah. I, it just like is like an unfortunate name we have to deal with. Like, woof! I didn't kind of expect them to." kind of be so ugly like that and that That's was kind funny. of not nice <laughs> well, i just
0: finished the stand and one of the main characters is franny
1: there's francis's out there too who are going to be like mmm, did this is us just basically say I have a shit name like that was kind wow. of bad i don't th- yeah. to me franny yeah. is not a great name there's i understand a chance,
0: francis you've heard that before <laughs>
1: I know there's an entire trend.
0: Before, lighten up, Francis. Right.
1: Well, and there's a whole trend, though, to kind of those older names like Esther and... Mm, so pretty. I just thought it was interesting for the show to comment on it. <laughs> like, I was yeah. like, oh, geez. Okay. So I'm glad that they're happy and healthy and the, the birth looked actually really uneventful and went smooth and everybody seems healthy and happy. I was glad that Rebecca got a chance to see all the babies. What do you think about this concept that they're the new big three and that we had a boy girl... Biological set, born, and an adopted baby, all on the same day.
0: The new big three concept follows the the way that the show is built, right? The idea of twins and another be, being born on the same day. i this. It's a little different because they're not. Are they close to each other? Where's Kate? I keep losing track of Kate. Oh, in L.A. And Madison's there too with Kevin. Yes. Okay. So they can they can pal around. Yeah, they can they can be around each well, other. And we have
1: Jack too. We have baby Jack.
0: Yeah, got to be born on this day. I mean, that's a re- oh. it's a requirement to be big.
1: Big anybody n- numeral. But- <laughs> you see, big numeral is not in his. Yeah, yeah I understand. Well. Do we need a big new new big three? I don't know. I'm not sure. I suppose so. I guess this is the patterns and cycles and everything like you were talking See? about. So yeah. I guess we got to go with that. Do you have any predictions for for coming up coming attractions? Because this, in many ways, settled a lot of storylines. Like we don't have a lot of super loose threads hanging out there.
0: You know, if they use You're the laughing,
1: s- what? well, if they
0: use the same technique that they used to get Kevin. You know, cross country. Yeah. Uh, Then we'll just it'll just be like an episode where Randall will be like, "Yeah, we solved that problem. Me and Kevin, everything's good now, one hundred percent."
1: Oh, and not no doubt. Also, De Niro is going to have talked to him on the phone, and like he totally gets that he was having twins, and so he's back in the movie, and everything's fine. <sighs> Your face.
0: <sighs> what I'm confronted with as yes. as a podcaster is that. This, above all of the other episodes I've seen so far in this season, reminds me that we are working in COVID protocols and we are having the story reflect that. It's been a little more transparent before, but now I think we saw evidence that they had to change what they wanted to do and give us less than we're
1: used to. I think so too. So I'm really hoping that that means that moving forward, I hope that they're able to layer our stories better than they did this week, because this one, I understand it It was a huge, huge, huge milestones for everyone. And yet it fell so flat for me. I was not actually super relieved that the twins were born and were healthy and everything. I was just like, okay. Like it didn't register in the excitement kind of way that it should have. I I will try to put my finger on that for next week as to like, why? Why exactly did none of these babies feel like this huge excitement? But they just didn't. And I'm not going to pretend it did for me, you know?
0: We can probably point to a lot of mundane things that will happen in the stories coming up. We have babies to raise now. We have a person who has a track record of being highly self-involved now be a dad trying to manage a career
1: we do but here's the question mark i mean what are we doing we're doing like first day infant stuff i mean is this really our storyline for everybody that i don't know paul i mean i don't know seriously everybody's gonna be doing that i i
0: think um there is maybe a little a little bit that you might milk out of seeing the Manny do actual dad stuff.
1: Okay, that could be really funny. I like that. I like bringing in his Manny business. That could be really funny, and maybe even him trying ridiculous things that he actually did yeah, on the Manny, right, that he thought but are, worked on TV, but are like super foolish. <laughs> right. I could, I like that. I like that. No, we haven't seen Baby Jack at all, so I'm wondering if there's going to be any issues at all with having little babies on set or if there's just going to be a bunch of dolls wrapped in blankets and we're not going to really see them that much i don't know how they're going to play it obviously they had real babies on this but i don't know exactly how to do it Obvi- though the, there was a lot of like just a blanket and then just a close-up right. on the baby's face right. so it could have just been their mom in a room alone with a kid you <laughs> know a like puppet I, <laughs> All right, exactly. So, I mean, I'll be interested, I guess. I mean, I'm really curious. I want some more stuff going on. I mean, Randall's family doesn't have a brand new baby, but we've now exhausted his entire biological family, unless there's a cousin or something out there still I didn't left. I know I had an
0: uncle. Something might still be out there,
1: but <laughs> I'm kind of like, we are almost blank slate is what I'm trying to say. Like all the storylines that everybody was going through kind of kind of came to some amount of a close here in a way that like, I, I feel like we're at a crossroads. We're like they could really go in all different directions. We could indulge in a ton of parenting. We could have to get more involved with Rebecca care. Maybe Randall stuff. Maybe we got to get back to Beth and her dance studio and all these different things. I'm not sure. We're really we really could go anywhere.
0: Uh, kind of a technical question, and this is a bummer way to wrap things up. But. Yes. This is episode eight. Yes. This is us. Seasons are typically 18 episodes long, with the ninth being the break, and that ninth one being like the one where Kevin goes drunk driving with Tess in the car or, or yes, whatever. Yes. Right,
1: right. Some big um, cliffhangery. This actually feels like the ninth, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. So do you think they're going to shorten the season just for the sake of everything going on, just to get the story out?
1: I could see it happening. I could see there being like a game time game day decision situation because they've had to do that this whole time. I mean, you know, they've had to be making decisions on the fly this entire time. We actually had reruns this season and that was so odd. So, yeah, I could actually see it because some of the storylines are just not going to be able to be explored the way that they need to be. So
0: you need a group of fucking people <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> to be in the same place at the same it's time It's very hard sometimes. to have
1: a story about a family where you can't ever see the family. Right.
0: They're all on the phone?
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
0: is, is Alexander like, Graham Bell going to be our secret... Okay.
1: Uh, Pearson. Se- <laughs> <right>? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Or no, it's actually... Nasser. Yeah, it's actually Nasser who's like the sponsor of (laughs) of the Pearsons. Yeah. Well, Paul, I look forward to seeing how they're going to navigate this COVID world and let's just stay warm and healthy all around here. So thank you so much. This is Caroline. This
0: is Paul. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.